is it glamorous uh, for for the AO to go or the apparatus operator or whatever you guys engineer to uh, chase the kinks all the way to the front door? Probably not. Is it? Could it save a life? Could it make a difference in fire suppression in a in a um, fast manner? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, I was just talking about you before you came on, saying that I don't know a person that has his fingers in more proverbial fire service pies than Michael Snodgrass. You are one of the busiest people I know. Uh, so let's start and talk about uh, aggressivefirefighter.com. Is that, is that, is that the first uh, thing that you started, or go ahead and talk? Yeah, so the aggressivefirefighter.com was uh, – so you got to put it in perspective. So social media was just beginning to really ramp up when everybody had to have a website. If you're going to give out information, um, you had to have a website, which is still really important today. Sometimes uh, training groups don't uh, secure a website. And if you're going to send out PDF files and schedules and everything else, you got to be able to send them to a website so that they can pick sure. that stuff up. Um, but prior to social media and all that, that, that was one of the things that started a website. Um, some of my buddies helped me put it together. It's horrible. My aggressive firefighter.com website is, is horrible. I usually only just go on there just to, uh, put a schedule or something, uh, right. on there. And, uh, it used to stream my Facebook, um, my my Facebook posts onto the website automatically, and that keeps on like shutting down. I need a I need a web. Uh, what do they call them? A web wizard or a web some admin guy to, to run it? Yeah, some admin guy just to take care of all that because it's just horrible, horrible. But it was at the time when um, uh, and I anything that I say as far as uh, context, I don't I don't. Uh, there is no negative slam intended on any one thing. If I mention okay. 16 safety in, uh, initiatives, if I mention, uh, you know, safety first, if I mention any of the, these, these contextual things, they're just context. It's not uh, slamming. You don't have to be uh, aggressive and completely unsafe. You don't have to be... Uh, anti-automatic nozzles and everything has to be smooth for you can there there is area uh, for hopefully that's not me there's area for uh opportunities to to blend so aggressive firefighter is that me or is that coming from i hear nothing you sound good on my end you hear nothing all right perfect yeah, no no i hear I, I i hear you good okay perfect no. um so the uh aggressive firefighter.com was simply birthed out of this um, uh, place of passiv uh, passivity that I've see uh, that I saw in the fire service um, where recruits were coming out of training and they had so such a complex algorithm of decision making to try to stay safe and still put the fire out um, and we had uh, all these layers of safety initiatives and things that we were concerned about. And from there, just kind of, uh, and this is, you got to put it in context. This is before any of this um, uh, huge um, amount of information out on uh, social media and the internet sure. and everything else, where you had access to all of this uh, 
factual data of how fires are, uh, uh, how nozzles work, how how all of these pieces and parts go together, uh, advances in hose quality and flow testing, and all of this information that is coming out. And so on that early aspect of it is like, hey, we need to be uh, we need to be aggressive firefighters. Don't ever be ashamed. Fire firemanship, aggressive firefighting is not a crime. You don't have Absolutely. to be, um, you don't have to take take the safety aspects out of it. But um, so I was just passionate, and so in that passion, I wanted a forum to be able to share that passion with, and so everybody had a blog at the time. You know, uh, web uh, blogs, web blogs had, <laughs> right. had started up. So I thought. Man, I'm going to get a web blog going and just start hammering out and just typing all of these great articles on how to be aggressive and how to do all of this stuff. And that it, it quickly uh, morphed into something way different where uh, I just wanted to be in the conversation. And uh, right at that same time, so Aggressive Firefighter came out. I wrote a couple of articles. Um, a guy who's retired now that uh, uh, I worked with, he was the proverbial um, proverbial pain in the neck in the fire department. I mean, just everybody, uh, all the officers, especially the chief officers, like, oh, I can't believe you have to have that guy on your crew um, because he was – uh, he was a handful and, but we used, but I said to the recruit, it was me, this guy, uh, me, this guy, Gomez is his nickname, Gomez and, uh, Kurt, Kurt and, uh, Ray, we're all working together. Ray was a probie. And I just said, Hey, Ray, listen up. If Gomez tells you to do anything on the fire ground, you take it as gospel and you do it. If you hear anything from him about station life, department culture, how to interact with superiors, he is an angry monkey flinging poo on you. He is really going to just just right. lead you astray at that highest level. And uh, from there, he uh, because we were good friends, we would talk about uh, things. And he says, you know what? You and all of your advances in science and reading books and all this other kind of stuff. It's like there's only really five fundamentals of firefighting. And so over a six-week course uh, course from this old salty dog, we got a 30-year veteran. That's what you say. 30-year veteran of the fire service. There's only five things that you need to, to worry about. And what the first one was put water on the fire. And uh, so yeah, from that – argue. Yeah, from that aggressive firefighter just kind of emerged. I took his – um, his uh, his five fundamentals and turned them into a platform in which to blog on, and uh, from there it was uh, it was exciting. It was a, put a couple of blogs out, put a couple of social media posts out. Every Monday would be fundamental one number one. Uh, Take a tool Tuesday was uh, you know uh, so fundamental one was put water on the fire. Fundamental two is uh, bring a tool. He used to say bring a tool and tear tear apart uh, right and uh but I, I cleaned it up you know take a tool uh, fundamental number two take a tool with you and know how to use it uh fundamental number three which was i thought kind of interesting because uh because of just his uh, perception of not not being fully engaged as a older senior man but he was right. engaged he just he just rebelled against the machine was do the unglamorous work was his fundamental number three. 
and uh, and I thought that was I thought that was good. But you know, we digress into aggressive firefighting uh, stuff right right there. And so we just uh, if you can get those top three, you know, right. you can put water on the fire. If you can take a, take tool, a tool, if you can focus on doing the unglamorous work, that is uh, that is the important things of life is uh, uh, the fundamentals of the fire service. And um, I'm going to say, I'm going to put a little blow. Hey, check out aggressive firefighter on Facebook and find the fourth fundamental, but I'm going to tell you what the fifth fundamental is. The fifth fundamental is like finish it. the task. Finish the task is the fifth fundamental. And this is not from me. I didn't create this. This is from a guy that truly uh, was a mentor uh, as far as what not to do <laughs> related to uh, culture of the fire service, but uh, <laughs> what to do on the fire ground. And so I think uh, some of the things that we miss out on is finishing the task. But go, go on uh, fire, uh, aggressivefirefighter.com on Facebook, Aggressive Firefighter on uh, Instagram, and uh, you'll be able to find out fundamental number four. Uh, find that fourth fundamental. Shadow. Yeah, that's right. So, hey, I'm telling you, this, uh, just the first three is recipe for success on any fire ground. So <laughs> that's it's hard right. to argue with. I, I was using that the other day when we were uh, um, we were doing a drill. So we have pre-kinked hose, you know, that lay flat, uh, super affordable hose. And my sure. department, it comes pre-kinked, you know, from <laughs> right out of the factory. Right. <laughs> and, Try to uh, keep right behind the nozzle so you can get that. That's right. It's, it's everywhere, you know. And I'm all like, it's not, it's not hose handling skill. It's, it's kink management. That's the whole, that's the whole uh, deal. But um, we were just doing a simple training, and guys were were uh, walking over kinks. And I said, hey, uh, and not being a jerk, I, I think I'm pretty well respected in the training uh, realm of not being an a hole. Station life, it can be kind of a kind of a jerk, but um, out on the drill grounds, everybody knows that I love training and I love I love the crews and I want I do want the best for them. But guys were stepping over kinks, uh, just walking back and forth, you know. And I'm like, hey, let's just make it a mantra. Uh, the unglamorous work, everyone yeah. it, kinks are everyone's responsibility. Never pass a kinked hose. It's just something that's not. It's not conscionable in our in our in our environment. Just don't no, pass a, kinks. That's like a life lesson right there. So never pass I mean, kinks. Just, yes, right. And then I just linked it to the unglamorous work. Is it is it glamorous to to for the engineer to leave the pump panel and chase the kinks because the. Because let's say the hose wasn't stretched correctly. Maybe it's a rat's nest halfway laying in the yard or whatever the situation might be. Is it glamorous uh, for for the AO to go or the apparatus operator or whatever you guys engineer to uh, chase the kinks all the way to the front door? Probably not. Is it? Could it save a life? Could it make a difference in fire suppression in a, in a um, fast manner? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the unglamorous work is just as important, I think, uh, is putting water on the fire uh, because the stack, the stack that has to go in to, to the nozzle reaching an area to put water on the fire is all unglamorous work. I mean, if you backtrack it, uh, it's all the unglamorous work to get there. And uh, so that's how, that's where aggressivefirefighter.com. So if you want to be disillusioned and absolutely look at the, uh, if you want to go look at a great, uh, great blog, go to Mark Von Oppen's Fully Involved. That's a great blog page. If you want to be completely, uh, completely disillusioned and disappointed, just go to aggressivefirefighter.com. And I'm telling you this, uh, I mean, I know you're a humble guy and I know you're downplaying, you're, you're underplaying yourself, but, um, 
And that, that was one thing. I was trying to do research before I brought you on, making sure that I didn't say anything wrong, that I knew everything that you were involved in. And literally, it's hard to find out what you're involved in because you don't stamp your name on stuff at times. And it's like you're, you're the driving force behind it, but you don't uh, put your name all over it. Well, you know, some of that, some of that has to do with, uh, with, uh, you know, <laughs> issues related to, uh, you know, just the Snodgrass name doesn't, it doesn't hold a lot of, you know, a lot of merit, you know, people are like, oh, is Snodgrass involved? Yeah, shoot. Yeah. Here, let me throw my money and just get, jump on board. You know, it's usually like, who the, who, who is this nerd? Again, you know, I, I like think I you're saw, being a little very humble. Uh, I, you know, but I, like I okay. told you, I said, like I told you, but uh, on our warm up before, I said, "Man, I'm the guy that ever, you that all the firefighters picked on in high school, you know." <laughs> uh, but anyway, so aggressive uh, firefighter. From there, went. you went to was FireX talks the or fire talk. Yeah, so the- yeah, so fire talk uh, was next. And remember, this is uh, so in context. This is pre conference on every corner. You know, there's conference on every corner, and I know some places in this world are like what are you talking about? I would die if there was a conference right down the street from me. We would go and do all this other kind of stuff. But comparatively from three plus years ago, uh, almost four years ago, uh, there it was unheard of to have a kind of a uh, off-brand fire conference. You know, fire conferences for, was for, uh, you know, FDIC, was for yeah. Firehouse. I mean, that's where fire conferences were from. But have to have uh, somebody step up and say, hey, we're going to do a fire conference based on uh, like the TEDx style talks. We're going to bring in 20 speakers from um, 20 speakers. We're going to give them 20 minutes. We're going to have some vendors out there. We're going to rent out the Sheraton ballroom. We're going to, um, uh, you know, kind of align ourselves with uh, high quality audio visual and do this uh, on a wing and a prayer. And boy, I tell you what, we went from the original plan was, uh, to do, uh, my training center, which would hold about 50 people. And right. then I ended up doing the Sheraton with like 330 attendees plus a bunch of staff, um, doing this. And everybody flew in. It was December 19th, the weekend before Christmas. What an idiot. And it was like the perfect thing. Everybody just right. kind of, came in and i mean we had rifles donated we had leather helmets donated we had i was just unreal and uh and that's where uh that's where something i mean if we talk about uh uh, for them and kind of that movement uh cody trestrell did that first talk uh for uh uh, the mission and them the mission and me was uh, was that was that fire talk one in pdx and was it the first time that had ever been been spoken no but it was the first time i can i think it kind of went into the mainstream uh, of uh, citizen first uh, thought brian olson followed it up um john stanislaw with the first line you know commit these these really kind of provocative thoughts of committing uh, a bunch of right, uh, right resources to putting the first line in place. And now, uh, years later, those messages are, are still resonating. They're gaining more traction. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, which is, which is pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal. So, um, and then and from respect. there, yeah. So it's just like, I, I was like, hey, this is great. And then uh, from there, it, it, 
the following years were pretty rough. <laughs> so do you know Andy Stubfuss? Oh, yeah, I've watched Andy his... So he's a pretty, I mean, he raised like a million dollars for Navy SEAL, uh, fallen Navy SEAL families and pretty good. Dude. So I do a fire talk uh, in an undisclosed location where, uh, and this guy that I had no clue. I mean, this is before Jocko had sprung on uh, the scene. I mean, this is like Navy SEALs were just starting to be in the leadership. Right. And here comes this Andy Stump guy. And I'm like, I have no idea who he wants. So we went from, 330 plus people auditorium to like the basement of a uh, of a fairly expensive but rickety hotel with and i think we had like 12 people show up and andy stump was the keynote speaker for that and here's this powerhouse speaker and like nobody showed up nobody's there oh uh, well yeah southern california has its own own demons to deal with um, but it was, uh, it was, it was interesting, but that talk, I just checked that, that talk, Andy Stump's talk has 77,000 views. No, it's one of my favorites. One of my favorite fire talks that's been up there. Yeah. I love that one. I really do. So yeah, it, it is a, it's I think talk. it might be the first one I saw that got me turned on to the fire talk was right. Know, now I've seen, you know, all of them. I want to ask how many do you, do you have a number roughly of how many fire talks you've now recorded and put online? Oh, let's see. I think we're at just at around 50. I think we're at oh. 50 right now. So uh, it's, yeah, well, I mean, the original goal was 500, but <laughs> it takes a lot of work. A lot of effort. It takes man. A, lot, a, lot of a effort. lot of work to do that. So we did have, uh, so the fire talk, we did have um, a uh, bunch of people kind of request, hey, we're coming out to firemanship in, at the end of February. Is there any way we can do a fire talk while we're out there? So ran it by Cody uh, Cody and, and stuff for firemanship. And so Friday, uh, February 28th. We're going to try to put a live studio together at the last day of firemanship and record fire talks for anybody that wants to do the recordings of those. So, so uh, there'll be some more coming. About what, that. what you're, what, yeah, you heard yeah, it. You be heard some it more here. Coming. Yeah, okay. Good. Yeah, good. That, yeah, that's the. I don't okay. think I posted a little bit on uh, on the Facebook, but um, the uh, just having a live studio shot uh, right at the last day. So for those people that do uh, three days of lecture and then a day of hot and then have that fourth or that fifth day to uh, that they didn't fill or they couldn't get into a class. Be a great opportunity to, uh, to say something meaningful to the fire service content driven. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, right. Yeah. Uh, write yourself a, a 30 minute narrative and then cut it into 10 minutes and then add 10 minutes to, to uh, more content. Uh, Just me. So. Just, just meet, man. Just me. I would, That's I it. would love to get like uh, how to tune a Halligan in seven easy steps. I mean, that's that. People don't realize how hungry people are for content. I mean, because you, you know, if I, you go to a YouTube channel or whatever, and you pull up a YouTube, you skip the first five minutes because you know it's just blah, right? Blah 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 blah. Keep on skipping ahead, skipping ahead. Keep on skipping ahead. Okay. All right. Now, here we are. It's just like we're we trying to fix, fix a vehicle or, or dishwasher <laughs> or whatever. You're like, okay, blah, 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 blah. All right. Here, here's the point. I need to put this screwdriver in this hole and turn it. Okay. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, Fire Talk was born. Uh, Fire Talk is a little bit 
better managed as far as uh, everything drives to the YouTube channel uh, on that. So if you go to the website, again, expect to be disillusioned uh, because the website, there's no reason to have the, the website is really just a placeholder. That's uh, it. For firetalk.com. If I have to add, put up a PDF or something where you get it, you can download from, but everything else is on YouTube. It's a video, it's a video marketplace. So that's where the things are on YouTube. And uh, so go to fire, uh, fire X talk. The X is silent hillbillies. So just fire talk. Uh, people are like, well, why'd you put the, why'd you put the X in there? And I'm all like, because it allows us to brand so much easier. And so if anybody in their branding, you add that little X or you add the Z at the end of something or whatever, it makes it so much easier to brand because nobody has fire X talk. Uh, prior to us getting it. and uh, I didn't know the X was silent for quite some time until you told me in person. <laughs> That's what I learned. Uh, yeah, you know, but it's it's just one of those things. But uh, the Fire Talk alumni, uh, sure. like we were talking That's... about, Fire Talk alumni, they, they got the inside scoop. Uh, That's it. So, And it helps me identify uh, people that want to speak and that people, vendors especially, not vendors, not salespeople, not vendors. Vendors are... are uh, necessary to um, bring innovation to the fire service. There's a little <laughs> caveat, caveat there, but uh, but the uh, salesmen that are trying to sell you, you know, organizational whatever, they're like, "Are you the owner of Fire X Talk?" I'm like, "Ah, you you don't know you don't know me. Uh, right. You're trying to sell." And uh, and so yeah, Fire Fire X Talk was born, and uh, the the one of the things you know we talked about earlier. Um, and uh, but I'll bring it in full circle here is that uh, talk about vetting if you look at the fire talks all but one has, is up there no two uh, one is not up there because it was just so bad that just, <laughs> there was nothing to edit it was like I'll put all that on the uh, but uh, uh, and then there's one uh, one that I just haven't put up yet uh, it's good I just haven't put it up yet so there's always a dangling carrot out there. Um, but people always ask when they're going to their training officers and they say, hey, can I can I, I get the $25 it takes to go to a fire talk? I'm like, okay, you really need $25? But okay, they do. And they say, well, the first thing they ask is, how have the people been vetted? And I right. always, answer, always answer that. Is social media and YouTube and the general public vet the fire talks all on their own? Uh, Andy Stump uh, and Cody and Brian and yours truly, uh, we have tens of thousands of views uh, because it's been shown and accepted by the by the people watching it. It stood the um, test of time in the eye of the public. Stood the test, and that's, that's self vetted. The ones that don't, you know, the, the they just it's not because they don't have the same traction or the same um, exposure. It's because the message doesn't ring as content-driven and true. And, um, and so it's just one of those things. Who, how do we vet it? We vet it by ourselves. That's why I always think it's weird when people get denied for training because they might learn something that is not consistent with uh, what the department wants. And I go, all right, they can't vet the material. You know, the guy is saying, you know, hey, we're going to jump jump out windows without ladders head first without a rope, you know, 
um, you'll survive. Uh, it's like, oh, wow, well, this guy said it, you know? And right. It's just so funny. It's just like, well, we don't want you to come back with all that smoothbore talk. And, uh, you know, and I'm yeah, the dirty, like, dirty smoothbore talk. Oh, uh, the dirty smoothbore, fixed gallonage nozzles, uh, anti-automatics, uh, uh, 15, 16, it. 7, oh, my good, pre-king toes, all that kind of stuff, you know? It's, uh, it's all ridiculous. So um, now, right now, you're doing high reliability officer. High reliability officer. What's that? Been going on? How long? Is it, how long you've been? How long has it been germinating I, and building and? Oh, germinating ahead. for years. So uh, when I got so it took uh, took took several it took a demotion and two grievances to get me my lieutenant's bars and uh, I. So I worked hard to get those, and uh, I went to several trainings and um, did a bunch of study on leadership and uh, had some great mentors. And then I started to go and try to find fire service leadership material, and it's 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 thin. It's, it's really thin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, being an avid reader, I started off, I did a class, built a class called uh, 451 Ignite Leadership for the fire service. And I took 80 quotes from 70 different books and built an eight hour class on going from quote to quote to quote, everything from Marcus Aurelius to Jocko, all the way wow. to Simon, uh, Simon Sinek. And, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you need a unique crowd to sit through eight hours of higher cool. level quote. <laughs> No, I, like, I want to come catch the uh, class. I really do. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, and it's about leadership and management, but and a bunch of videos and some other stuff. And I'm not saying that it was uh, solely a failure, but it was definitely uh, with that much content, you know, because I'm content driven. So everything, uh, content, content, and right, so go right. from one piece of content to another piece of content, and uh, I realized that. Uh, it needed to be like a three-day, four-day event where you bring in additional speakers. You have a much more workshop-oriented um, aspect to it. And then from there, uh, I've always uh, been – everything. ever since I heard it, I've always been interested in the high-reliability organizations, those organizations that are high-risk or, like I, I like to prefer, as high-consequence organizations that if they don't – they're very complex, and if they don't perform uh, correctly, then somebody – then there's going to be a consequence of death uh, or major dysfunction. And uh, in, in my little town of Gresham, on the Gresham-Portland border, uh, an airplane crashed happened in the 70s. Okay. And, uh, and that this was pre-aviation industry taking on uh, HRO and crew, crew resource management. Literally, right. uh, the pilot, everyone knew that they were going to run out of fuel except for the pilot. And uh, big, way bigger story about that. But prior to a bunch of incidents happening, there was no uh, ability to speak up. There was no identification that... Uh, the aviation industry was uh, was this high consequence, high risk event or a high risk organization. And, and that wreck, that plane crash was the birth of the crew resource or the cockpit resource management that turned into crew resource. Cockpit management. resource management. I, I, 
it, if you look at, if you listen to, um, there's a great speaker for, or a great speech from uh, a NASA engineer, a NASA pilot actually, uh, that speaks and expands on that way, way better than I can. I mean, he, okay. he expands on all uh, several incidents that all came up with cockpit resource management, going to crew resource management, high reliability organizations, the military picking it up, the wild, uh, the forest service wildland industry picking it up. Now healthcare is a primary generation of, um, uh, of uh, high reliability organizations. They're just gobbling it up because, because the little minor instances are killing people in American hospitals, the minor deviations of that. So I've just been this consumer of everything uh, HRO. And uh, for those that are attending the Eastern or or, Eastern Idaho fools, um, high reliability it's it's all almost all hands on. I mean, it's not a lot of lectures, so don't get scared when I start talking about this. Here's the 70 quotes. Was it 40 quotes from 70? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, the 80 quotes to put you to sleep. Uh, no, it's it's going to be – it's a workshop, so we're actually going to be doing things uh, in there. Not a lot not a lot of lecture, but uh, – uh, Now, there, if someone wanted to – I'm oh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but if someone wanted no, to ahead. schedule high reliability, they, they just contact you on Facebook or – Yeah, just contact me, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Okay. You can do uh, uh, at firextalk, okay, or – at uh, aggressive firefighter or at m uh, m dot snodster on Instagram or okay. Michael Snodgrass or Fire Talk or aggressivefirefighter.com or four fifty one at night. Just just search me out. You'll you'll find me you'll if you're looking me. for okay. me. You can find me. Yeah. Um, but uh, the high reliability officer kind of emerged from the four fifty one ignite and then kind of what. Everybody's like, wow, this is great information. Um, but then just put into more of a more of a workshop format where we're taking the um, five tenets of the high reliability organization and, ex- and expanding out of those um, the uh, the high reliability officer context, you know, where we're talking about uh, the, for example, so the high reliability organizations are focused on failure. They're, they're, they have a preoccupation okay. with failures is one of the tenets. So to have a high reliability organization, which means they have things in place so that uh, that catastrophe doesn't happen. And one of the things that they do is they have a preoccupation with failure. I call it being failure focused and uh, high reliability organizations, high reliability officers that recognize that there's a high consequence to failure in our industry. Uh, They see failure as several things. One opportunity. They see it as feedback. They see it as a starting point that if something happens on the fire ground in training in an individual a context from everything from something being missed on a rig check all the way to, um, you know, a failure on the fire ground with, with, uh, with high consequence. All right. failure is the starting point, is a, is a resultant of a system that has let, that has, has caused the failure and that. Uh, to be angry or upset at the failure, at the result of a system that is in place, is is not reliable. That's not a reliable context. Just to be angry and upset and throw a fit. 
uh, about something. A high reliability uh, organization, but a high reliability officer would take that feedback in themselves or that failure in themselves or others or in a, in a process and look at that as ultimate, um, ultimate feedback and begin to iterate and reiterate on, um, on the things that occurred for that to happen. Now, take that one step further and uh, high reliability officers are those people that can put the failure first before it even happens. And they begin this pre-mortem uh, ide ideology where they look at the failure. Okay, this hose is going to be kinked three times and only deliver 25 gallons per minute on a fire that is flashing over my crew. That event in my mind has happened. And now I'm going to build backwards from that, that catastrophe and say... To fix it before. To fix it before. And all of those steps, what are all the steps as you start at the failure and work backwards, what are all those steps that cause that event to happen? Uh, and so that pre-mortem look, uh, that focus on failure should be exciting for people. When someone fails, I say fail fast, fail often. When somebody fails, uh, a process fails, something breaks, thank goodness it broke now. And not when a baby was being tossed out a window. Right. You know, before we used to, we used to say that as a joke, and now these fa these uh, fast moving, fast aggressive fires, moms are throwing their children out of windows, and is being recorded. It's not even a myth anymore. It's this right. This amazing right. thing that is like, okay, so we're running up, and uh, you know. Uh, a mom is throwing a baby out the window. This this catastrophic event, we saw it. We see it on YouTube. We saw what would happen right before that. One step before the firefighter is making a choice to catch this baby. Okay, what happens right before that? Uh, well, they're in full PPE. You know, moving quickly on the fire ground. Okay, well, what happens right before that? The freedom to say you can run on the fire ground. Okay. And what happens right before that? Coming off the rig ready to work. Ready and what to happens go. right before Yeah, what happens right before that? You know, being a being uh being dressed as you get on the rig. You know, well what happens before that? Hang the coat and drop the pants. Everybody, you know, not everybody. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes people have to respond to the call, not to the equipment. They have to move their gear and stuff like that. But if I, if it was me and I had to get my gear and then go to a ring, that gear would be hung up very similarly to how it's hung up on my, at my door uh, of the <clears> engine <throat> or the truck I'm working on. So that is my coat is hung. Radio strap is on top of that. My hood is on my boots. My boots are flayed open and down. I never have to get in the rig and pull any of that. Okay, what happens before that? You know, and you just go just back keep, from keep point. On. Just keep on going back and going back and going back. And, no, um, and that's a... And, no, and go, that's, go ahead. That's just, that's just one point. And I like one point of the whole... Yeah. One point yeah, I can of, tell. Uh, of that. And then you take those five... You have those five tenets of a high reliability organization, high consequence organizations, and then you layer them where you skill your fire officers into looking at these five tenets on everything they do, project management, 
Is it exciting? No. Uh, take, taking care. Well, I, I think project management. I love building projects, but um, uh, is it glamorous? So, That's the thing. Is it glamorous? Yeah, no, so it's like, glamorous, do the unglamorous work. It's doing the unglamorous. And you know what the most glamorous thing for me is? Uh, is when I walk into a room and nobody knows my name, you know, and and I'm I'm going to be teaching a class or uh, I put on the worst fire, you know, I put on the worst fire conference. I know it's later. I put on fire talk and I, uh, I get up on stage and I talk. That's, that's kind of for me. I like to, the, to preach the word a little bit. Um, and, uh, and I know that's kind of, I, I like to get the message out. That's just kind of my little bit of it, but I like the fact that I'm not the most popular, uh, talk on the, on the, on fire talk. I like the fact that people, uh, you know, like yourself, it's hard to find you. It's hard to find the the, the face behind the events. Right, and uh, and, and that's exciting to me. That that that's awesome to me, because it's it, because the content is king. Um, I did a thou, uh, talk a thousand maydays on fire talk yeah. because I was so inspired by the project mayday work that was done. Um, and for the life of me, I didn't write down a note on who. Uh, I'm citing project mayday. I don't remember who. Right. is working on that okay i'm sorry i don't remember but i uh read that and then i was doing my uh, randy carpenter memorial firefighter survival search and rescue school and i so i got to watch a thousand maydays in a couple of year period and so the and it aligned with this guy's study of maydays and then so i like got up and i'm like hey this is exciting so i have to take the stage every once in a while and just get right. the word out and uh, so, that, so you, that's always exciting. No, it's, uh, I, man, I'm going to catch high reliability officers sometime when you come to the Middle Coast, Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm going to catch it. Uh, I'll so, be there, man. Or I'll bring yeah, it down I, here sometime. Yeah, at, bring high reliability, or uh, and then don't 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 spend too much on the budget because they'll be like, <laughs> you want us to pay how much for who? <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> Worst fire conference. I want to hear about the worst fire conference. This thing popped up out of nowhere. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, so I was sitting at a training that really had – all training is important. This particular training event allowed (laughs) my mind to wander a little bit. And I was sitting there going – I have – at our department, we have Kelly Days. So I had a five-day window off in the first week of November. Wasn't going to go anywhere. Wasn't going to – I was like – and it was uh, just probably like eight weeks in a day uh, before that that November four, five, six. And I thought, what would happen if we built a fire conference? Uh, because I'm involved with other fire talk and other type of things, where uh, other events that are just so so massive <laughs> they're just ma- so many volunteers so much work so much money i was like what if we just did f- in the worst fire conference where we're like right off the get-go going hey man if you want to go to a great fire conference this one's not it go somewhere else but uh if you want to if you want a, a horrific experience and to be completely underwhelmed come to the worst fire conference and i just said in eight weeks we're going to do an un, uh, underfunded, under, you know, instructed, underplanned event. We're literally going to show up um, and do a do a massive, uh, massive pickup game where we show up and we've got 
instructors from all over the country that are going to have great material. And what we're going to do is we're going to just pile out there, do some lecture stuff, but then pile out there and go, who wants to take first due uh, engine company operations with uh, FD Tactics, Howard, Howard Ryan, Ryan Walt, and Kyle Romagus. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Kyle, I butchered your name earlier, but um, Kyle, and then just do this. Uh, and they just raise their hand. Okay, you, 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 you. Okay, you guys go over there. All right. Who wants to take uh, Build Your Culture? This is their logo right there. Uh, build Your Culture, VES, and VES with uh, uh, a tactical tick. Who wants to do that? I'll just raise your hand. Okay, you go over here. And uh, and we're going to duplicate it. Just kind of a massive pickup game. Right. And uh, uh, just such a such a wild concept, you know, just be, and then just go like one ticket price, uh, which is about half of what usually about conferences run about a hundred bucks a day. I would, I would say that's a pretty fair right. thing, you know, a hundred bucks a day. Well, we did hundred and sixty, uh, $150, $15 for a t-shirt. So $165 and you got buy one, get one free. You got to bring a guest with you. And right. uh, so completely underfunded. And, and uh, thank God my wife goes, I think it's important. I want you to do it. So she wrote a check for $3,000 for the, for the remainder of the conference. To but make it happen. in saying that uh, Howard Reinwald donated a cruise. Uh, so Howard yeah. Reinwald out of FD uh, tactics training, FD tactics training. Yeah. Um, donated his Cowboys of the Caribbean cruise uh, to the conference. He goes, Hey, I know you're, I know you're going underwater on this thing. I want to, I want to pay. Basically I want to pay for this, for this conference, you know, the hole you're digging yourself into. So he donated this uh, cruise uh, for the whole room. So you and your spouse, you and you, you and your best buddy, it'd be kind of weird to share it. <laughs> That's nice little <laughs> you know, cabin. It is. It's a, it's a uh, Cowboys of the Caribbean, a five-day cruise to the Caribbean with two days of lecture with Howard and Andy Starnes. If you haven't taken an Andy Starnes tick class, yeah. you got to go take a tick class. Uh, Mo Davis and uh, Brum, Brummel, I think is the last one. And um, uh, so we donated this and selling raffle tickets, 50 bucks. And then when we calculated all the costs, I'm like, I don't need $5,000 to, and I'm not making money on the worst conference. I was like, so uh, the, unfortunately, San Antonio lost a uh, firefighter. Yeah. And so I called those guys up and I'm like, hey, if we sell $5,000, do you guys want half for the Garza family? And uh, so we've been kind of pushing that. Uh, that so you tied it right to, back into a good cause. And that's tied awesome. it right back in there. It came out of Texas, give the half of it back to Texas. Now, and then those... the worst fire conference. Are those tickets still so, available for the cruise? Are you still selling those? Yeah, yeah. Done? I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. reset and post it out, and I'll uh, tag this and post them okay. back out. Uh, Twenty five dollars of your ticket goes to uh, the Worst Fire Conference. Twenty five dollars goes to the Garza Family Fund, which is uh, or uh, there's no donation to the Worst Fire Conference. I don't want you to donate money to me. Uh, you know, raffle that's fine, but uh, the Garza Family Fund is run through a credit union so you can look that up and you can donate straight to them um and so i would highly encourage nobody gets rich when a firefighter dies okay yeah. so that family is uh i don't know what their exact financial situation is but who cares right you know who who yeah. cares they if they if it buys buys a bucket of chicken for the people coming to visit the house 
you know, your donation counts, and that's that's what's important. But that is. the worst fire conference, yeah, the worst fire conference happened. Oh man, it was so good. We had, uh, I, I want to say thirty six, but we had like thirty. I'm going to say thirty to sixty uh, live fire burns, and so it ended up. That's being a unreal. Live fire yeah. Conference. Oh, it was unreal. Yeah, and then, night um, burns going on right down there. Yeah, yeah. We, we had uh, we had uh, finished the conference, you know, uh, the day at like five thirty, no, at five, and we just said, "Hey, does anybody want to burn up in, uh, for the next couple of hours?" Uh, the check this out, I just love this. So, Chief uh, Chief Tory uh, from Mid Columbia Fire and Rescue, which is in the Dalles. It's a city where the is part of the name, so it's the Dalles. Okay. The Dalles, um, okay. Yeah, loves loves training. So we get there, and we've been asking for straw and hay, straw and hay. Hey, can we have straw and hay uh, there waiting for us? And they're like, how many How many bales do you need? And we said, 80. We need 80 bales of straw. And um, and they're like, oh, okay. So we get there, and there's like eight. Um, and uh, But like 500 pallets. I had some ungodly amount of pallets. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so – so they're like, oh, no, no, we're going to just go down to Coastal or whatever. And Coastal uh, didn't really have a bunch of straw. And the straw they had was uh, like 10 bucks a bale. And straw is like, I mean, this should be less than 3 bucks a bale. Anyway, Chief Tory, uh, this is, we're in kind of a rural area. He's just like, okay. So he goes home, loads up, I don't know, a lot of hay, probably 100 bales of hay. It's just a massive trailer of uh, straight hay and straw and brings it so not only does he let us use the training tower but then he brings this massive amount of hay he's like there's no way you're going to use all this and right. we did our we did our best we did our absolute best to uh use all of that but just talk about a commitment mid-columbia fire rescue oh. has a commitment to hosting quality training in the in, in, a, in really kind of an isolated area uh, an hour and a half outside of portland and then everything on that side of Oregon is very rural, very small. And uh, but we did, man, we did some tons of live fire. It was it was excellent. Um, That's awesome. Opportunity, yeah, it was fourteen oh three compliant. We didn't burn any sofas. We didn't have any injuries. Uh, we had people that were uh, all the students. Just was it great fire attacks? Uh, quickly reset. Every you know. The minimal amount of sitting around, standing around. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was great. Plus, you throw in uh, VES, uh, VES, a tactical tick. Um, you have non non live fire. You have uh, uh, hose pulling out in the um, uh, out in the uh, uh, parking lot. Plus, you have uh, Kyle teaching how to push stairs. They have a left staircase and the fire room is up to the left and uh, if you've never tried to push left while flowing water and climb and crawling up the stairs right. it's an event but oh i can imagine check out check out uh, kyle's uh video uh, if you look up uh if you hashtag uh the worst fire conference you'll be able to see some great videos of okay. uh, some teaching that are going on there and uh, it literally turned out to be just just what I hoped for is uh, um, a giant pickup game of everybody getting as much training as they possibly uh, could. And then, oh, this, this is a super, super part of the story. So we're in lecture, 
And uh, we know that they're in, in Oregon, you can be uh, entry level, but you haven't quite actually entered into live fire. You're certified okay. to do it, but you haven't done it. So uh, since we were running uh, 1403 compliant uh, instructor led, all of the instructor, uh, the live fire instructors were uh, certified by ISFSI. And, uh, and so these are legit instructors. What we did is said, hey, you're probably not going to get a bunch out of the lecture if you're brand new to the fire service. How would you like to have a special afternoon of live fire dynamics and fire behavior just for you three or four in this crowd? Or we're going to do something special. And I was like, and, and that just, so they, after lunch, they went off to do live fire. So the classroom's full. It's clicking along. I go out and there's an entire, there's like 14 students and like 12 <laughs> instructors and it's this entire something. We're literally like homeless firefighters walking down the street. <laughs> just walking you, know, down. <laughs> you just picked them up. You know, it's just like, where did all these people come from? And, uh, and it was just so cool. You know, some, so it, it was just really cool how it, um, how it all worked out. You know, it's uh, my mind runs, you know, in a very unique way. And sometimes that doesn't work for people like my wife who's very organized very, very organized person yes. yeah very linear and then ah you know that doesn't quite work uh we had a couple of instructors that you know also very linear uh josh cox from uh dogtown hose and irons I, so, sorry buddy uh but my mind works that way and uh and then the last day when we we're doing scenarios uh 12 instructors all got together and uh so we had we had uh 12 we had 12 instructors plus then we had the 1403 live fire team above that and um the instructors go what would be the most kick butt four hours of scenario based training and what how would that look like and they crafted this four cycle live fire upstairs live fire downstairs ves upstairs searching with the hose line forcible entry all wow all without a stutter step you go from here to here to here and the fires are getting set and set and set and set and uh, and then and all within compliancy all within the manufacturer's recommendation of the the building because it has an alarm on it that says, Hey, you're hurting me. And, uh, right. And so, uh, it was just, it was just phenomenal, you know, just phenomenal. The guys, uh, the, now it's... the fire, fire attack team is behind the forcible entry team. And amazingly, guess what happens when you have smoke billowing out the front door, you have the attack line standing behind you and you're trying to force a door. It's harder I like it. Yeah, the stress. Gives some of that actual it stress is, going on. It is. Yeah, it is harder. You know, people are dropping tools and like, and we didn't have any injuries. Nobody got whacked with the the ball or anything. But it was. Uh, it was. But bringing a little bit of that pressure, man. I love it, man. The realistic. It training. was. It was trying. really. It was really good. Uh, it was amazing uh, how everything clicked. I, to be honest, I am shocked that we weren't turning people away. I, I just, it, it dumbfounded me as, you know, if you go and like, Hey, say, Hey, we're going to pull some hose in a parking lot or we're going to 
do some synthetic smoke training. But when you put it out there that says for basically 80 bucks a person, you get three days of live fire live training. Live fire, yeah. And, and then you have to beg people to come. That is really the worst fire conference I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like, oh, my goodness. You talk about uh, – it's like how repulsive am I? <laughs> the, uh, now, the, the second worst, it's going to repeat, right? The second worst is coming, and it's coming to Arkansas if everything works out. That, if everything works out, we're looking at Arkansas in May. Ryan McCormick is uh, uh, out there, and uh, uh, obviously I'm putting the, the information out there way before it's finalized, but – Supposedly, there's rumor that there's an awesome live fire training facility just been built nice. somewhere out there. Um, our Dogtown Hose and Irons uh, guys have some uh, lakefront property that they uh, uh, that they have a uh, uh, single wide uh, single wide mobile home on stilts where they duck <laughs> they duck hunt around it. So we have some high level accommodations, you know, to sweet to people up there. Yeah, uh, perfect. But no, it's going to be. Uh, it, I hope it happens. And um, okay. really, what what it came from this is that um, the price tag is about ten grand. Uh, when I dialed it all in, you know, even if we had to buy the straw and stuff like that, it's about ten grand. And sure. uh, high level high level instructors. I mean, just un- nobodies. I mean, obviously the Howard Ryan, the FD uh, Tactics out of Texas. They're they're making a really big name for themselves, but. Uh, the, these guys, Sean Duffy and, uh, Chris Intartaglio did a killer job, but they, uh, they're, they do a great thing, man. They were, they were so pretty. These two guys are so pretty. Uh, they're, they're, they have got branded down. They got the, they've got the tactical shirts. They've got the brand on it and, and high level content driven, education sets and reps like do this do this do this and you know sean sean's a humble guy chris is a humble guy they're both really good but i just love the fact that they um they were so meticulous in their planning and you know uh and 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 their execution that the guys were walking around that have taken ves classes have taken search classes and they're just like i've never i've never seen it heard it framed that way and then um and then follow that up with uh, uh, just the, the live fire and, and uh, the um, Sean Walker and Josh Cox and uh, Hunter Moit, is, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, doing uh, forcible entry. But uh, Sean grew up as like a locksmith kid. So he shows up and then builds all these props. Uh, it just is like, yeah, I'm going down to Home Depot. I can't do his Arkansas accent. You can't really understand Sean Walker, but uh, Josh Josh kind of interpreted for him. But he just builds these props that, like, every training center should have these props. Uh, handle removal through the lock, uh, just all these great things. It's just awesome. So I said, hey, let's get the traveling circus uh, together, and let's just offer it up. Hey, you got ten grand and a live fire training facility? Class A live fire training facility. I'll bring the traveling circus, a circus, and we'll do the worst fire conference wherever you're at. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah, and I don't even teach. All I do is I buy pizza, and uh, we went to the local grocery store and fed everybody. We fed everybody lunch. Went to the local grocery store and got uh, 
fried chicken, they go like, hey, is that KFC? I'm like, hell no, man. This is nine herbs and spices. <laughs> this, is, this is local grocery store chicken and mashed potato. What do you think this is? A high-level conference? I mean, come on, man. This is the worst. This isn't. Yeah, this is the worst. This is an ethnic <laughs> or uh, firehouse expo or world or whatever. We don't get that budget. Uh, That's like awesome. You paid, you paid 80 bucks to come here per person. You know, it's just like you're getting fried chicken. And it was good. We had Pizza Hut, fried chicken. Everybody ate together because high reliability officer, going back to that, eating together is meeting together. You don't give up a chance to meet. I, I hear these hideous stories of these people that don't clock into work they clock into work and they never see each other they don't eat together they don't share a meal uh breaking a high reliability officer if you had crews that didn't want to eat together high reliability officers have a training hour from 10 to 11 or 11 to noon every day you know because you got to meet you got to you got to break bread together if you don't share the same food i understand that everybody's gluten free and free and meat free and and I can't say that the, the crews that do share the same food though they seem to be tighter than the ones that don't. I mean, I just don't know. I, I mean, it's just, it's just. I think that's just hand in hand almost. Hey, I tell you what, man. If 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 we had, if it was the if if the crew needed to be gluten free or they needed to be dairy free or whatever, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. I might have might have a block of cheese under my bunk, you know, to right. nod. At night, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, I was going to say, I always try to do a book review on every scrap, and right. I always offer to my guests a chance to do a book review, and this book is one you suggested. I went out and ordered it, uh, mm-hmm. mainly because you suggested it, and that's my respect I got for you. But uh, So go ahead. I'll let you talk about it. Take All it right. Away. Um, so Mike Abershoff wrote a series of books, but the first one is uh, It's Your Ship, and if uh, you are... A new, I do believe reading is important. Okay, and so I went on. I went on the interwebs. All right, and um, so I don't know where I put it. Here. I don't know where I put that. Oh, there it is. I went on the interwebs. You don't even have to read the whole book. Look at that. Somebody did a book report of "It's Your Ship" by Mike Abbott. It's eleven pages. Wow. 11 pages. If you need to, if you are 100%, I've got to read it. I, I can only read it on the chive or whatever, just or Facebook or whatever. And you need, like, snap, take a picture of, of the PDF files and then put, like, dancing kittens in front of it. But read it. at least this book report, you know. Um, so it's your ship. So Mike Abershoff gets his first command. And uh, of a ship that is not doing well. In fact, it's at the lowest, lowest metric in the Navy, of, or almost lowest metric of the Navy of ships out there. He gets command of a destroyer or a cruiser, destroyer. 324 men, gets his first command. He's battled his way up uh, to be a commander of a ship. And he goes in and just, just revolutionizes it, is this uh, ship, this crew. And uh, just transforms it into one of, or if not one of, the best naval vessels in uh, in the Navy at the time. And wow. um, he does, does it in a way that is often viewed as counter, counter to standard military practice. And uh, 
here's the cool thing about this. You don't even have to read the whole book. Read uh, the table of contents. The table of contents is the um, speech that he gave the commander that took over for him. And then he broke out that speech, that little paragraph, into the lessons of... So the chapter headings are the speech that he gave the person that relieved him. Oh, wow. How cool is that? That is so cool. Uh, it is cool. So just I just we got this little... Oh, man, we got this uh, uh, book report. And so I'm just going to read the, those chapter headings. Look at this. Okay. You don't even have to go get the book. Okay? So this is full introduction. Sorry, give it the Michael Mike Snodgrass, Abishoff. full service. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. So the number one thing is, so, so imagine this. The commander that has revolutionized a, a ship from the lowest of the naval fleet to one of the highest. One of the indicators of that is how many people signed back up. Went from uh, 90 or 80 plus percent of the people would not renew because this is how bad this culture was on the ship and went renew went up to like 90 percent 90 plus percent like everybody wanted to re-up to stay in the navy stay on the ship and so yeah so i was like holy moly and so he's talking to his uh the guy that's replacing him so a guy that can do that when he has a crew that loves him so much like that and now he's having to leave that command and he's handing it over to somebody. He's going to say some pretty pivotal words. And so what he says is uh, take command. You know, you're the boss, be the boss. And the next thing is lead by example. And there's a bunch of things come from that. Imagine he's Mike Abershoff is telling this new commander, Hey, lead, take command and take command and then lead by example. And then he follows it up by, uh, Listen aggressively. Communicate your purpose and the meaning behind your purposes. Uh, don't look for results, or look for results, not salutes. And in the military, nice. that's a big... Yeah, look for results. Look for content, not accolades. Look for uh, results. And then he says, uh, take calculated risks, which has been definitely best, you know, abused in the fire service. Uh, go beyond standard procedures. Build up your people. Oh, there's just so much. This is, no, all you have to do is look up book report for uh, um, It's Your Ship. Uh, generate unity. What we were just talking about eating meals together. Generate, um, and then uh, and that's what he that's what he ends up ends up with. But I just want to read a couple of quotes. I went back and got, grabbed a couple of quotes that I thought were, uh, were meaningful. Um, so check this out. For those, those so company officers, because I'm a company officer. So just think about those bosses that are, that are pressing down on you. All right? Okay. Think, about, think about your high reliable, highly reliable, that you are, you are results-driven. And uh, uh, Michael Abershoff, uh, Abershoff says this, if your bosses see you lifting burdens off their shoulders and they find out they can trust you, they stay out of your face. And that gives you the freedom you need to operate independently and improve your ship. 
you know, just to, and for us, this is, it's not shift, it's shift. Okay? Right. Just improve, improve that. And then, um, the uh, this one for individual leadership leaders need to understand how profoundly they affect people how their optimism and pessimism are equally infectious how directly they set the tone and spirit of everyone around them I mean that's Dude, that's awesome. power. yeah that's power yeah uh, that is awesome okay so this book is written many many years ago over a decade ago Okay, listen to this. What's needed now is a dramatic new way of inspiring people to excel while things are happening at lightning speed. And now they're faster than anything else. Imagine, yeah. imagine inspiring people to excel on the fire ground when things are happening so much, not so much faster. Right? It's, you know, sometimes I think uh, we just absolutely trash our previous generations of firefighters there's so fire is so much hotter and faster and <laughs> amazingly worser now you know? <laughs> uh it's like no but things are clicking right along you know i would say the majority of the time it's staffing that's related um and then um i got one more highlighted here Yeah, I talk about I talk about uh, work that a company officer is. You just imagine a company officer that uh, that's having to share, you know, having to deal with uh, conflict in their in their department. The people that they represent are trying to trying to survive in a, a negative environment. Uh, articulating the feelings that your people are afraid to speak is a large part of what leaders, including ship captains, do for a living. And uh, I think that's that's important. But anyway, it's your ship. That's it's an awesome. easy read. Tons of stories. Um, I wish they'd make a, a comic book, a graphic novel out of it, or uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe we'll get uh, Fire Talk video editors to uh, make it in dancing kitten format so that it'll be on videos. You know, just a sock puppet, sock puppet. It's your ship. You know, so people watch it. <laughs> uh, but. You know, I do believe that uh, I do believe that we have an amazing opportunity in the fire service right now, from Facebook Live to Instagram to everything else in between. That um, I used to get very frustrated at people that weren't into the job as much as I am. Right, I man. That's a that's a sliding scale. That is oh, a there's no doubt. Scale. I mean, if if we have guys that show up to work do their job, uh, accept the training and education that they have, um, are, are high contributors. And then when they leave the fire station in the morning and they go out and, and have fun and build families and never go to a single outside training class, is that so wrong? You know, is that so judgmental that there's, there's only, there's only the high contributors, everybody's all into the fire service, super passionate people or paycheckers. There is a sliding right. scale. There is a sliding scale. Now, if somebody wants to show up and collect a paycheck and be a complete, uh, completely incapable to do the job, then that's that's unacceptable. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are people that come to work, do a great job, go home, 
and they leave the fire service. Um, they bring the fire service with them, but they don't bring it. They're not into it 24-7, you know. And uh, I always tell people, I'm, I am imbalanced. I got asked one day, I said, well, what do you do for hobbies? I looked up and I go, no, I, I don't have any hobbies outside the fire service. <laughs> no fire uh, yeah, but now I have two. Now I have two grandbabies. I got Charlie and Oliver, my grandsons, and uh, wow, what a! I went from uh, I went from a young man and now to a grandpa in one summer, just, yeah, <laughs> just like, like that. that. Yeah, just like that. I I was expecting when I came back from the second one being born, I was expecting to find a walker. You know, either right. in my dorm room right. or by the by the, but they they're mild to me. They take they take care of me. Well, I congratulations on an, on an amazing 2019, then. Oh, I know, I know, it's so crazy. My son is uh, my son's in Baker City, and he got to come out to the worst fire conference and start like 50 fires. It, it was That's an awesome. arsonist when he was a baby. You know, was just, we always <laughs> play with fire in the family. You know, now I now I get to build fires and uh, for real. And uh, and he works cheap for pizza and, and grocery store chicken. And nine nine herbs and spices chicken. Nine herbs and spices, yeah. The the not so secret recipe. <laughs> there you go. Well, Michael, uh, thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure. I hope yeah. you will do it again because I feel like uh, the, this is officially the longest scrap I've ever done. So you hold that record. Uh, I talk a lot. Hey, it was fun. Uh, lots of information. Aggressivefirefighter.com. The fire talks. The Worst Fire Conference, High Reliability Officer, and, of course, book review for It's Your Ship. Uh, thank hey, you can for I plug taking one, can I? Yeah, can I plug one Go. more thing? Is, uh, Go. The um, uh, Randy Carpenter Memorial Foundation, if you're in the Oregon, Washington, Idaho area, they do small uh, event sponsorships. So, like, if you need 200 bucks to go to a class, you can, like, email those guys, and they can write you a $200 check. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, Randy Carpenter, Memorial Foundation, Randy Carpenter died in Coos Bay. His family got a bunch of money donated. Um, when all that happened, they're not from in the fire service per se. There's a couple of them that are, are but they wanted to give back all that money to training and they've been doing it for many, many, many years. But from that, we do a survival school, uh, a survival search and rescue school. It's a three day school, the Randy Carpenter. Um, if you want to host one of them, it's three days. It costs six grand to put on. We put 25 people through a grueling three days, uh, not smoke diver grueling, but a really a pretty grueling three days of training. And so uh, get a hold of me on that. That's on um, Firefighter Firefighter Survival Search and Rescue School on um, Facebook. So okay, give me there. That's it. Okay, now go go to close it out. I'll you're good, stop man. Talking. Anything? I'll stop no, talking. you're good. Thank you for coming on. I hope you'll come back in the future. We'll talk again. Of course, if you if the worst conference comes to Arkansas, I hope you're coming so I can see you there. And if not, I'll have oh, yeah. to come back I, up to Portland. I got I got to go find the closest chicken place. You know. There you go. <laughs> um, that's it. Weekly scrap number fourteen in the books. Thank you guys for watching and, and commenting. Uh, Michael Snodgrass, thank you for coming. I hope the tone stays silent for you unless it's burning. Thanks for listening to the weekly scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.